Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DMVR Bus Podcast, presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we've got uh, a, another special guest. We've got Matt McChesney on, uh, as we do every week. Um, this is going to be kind of fun. I'm excited to talk to you, Matt, because first of all, there's a lot of news going on in Boulder, and second of all, you were kind of a part of some of that news. Uh, so I guess first question, just how, how are you holding up? I'm doing good, man. Uh, you know, things are humming down at six zero. We're just uh, working hard every day and putting all these kids at, at uh, visits this weekend. But uh, it's mm-hmm. been, you know, the the speculation has been just that. It's just speculation. So you just have to ride the wave and see what happens. For sure. Um, we've obviously got a lot to talk about. Uh, Mitch Rodriguez is out as the Buffs' offensive line coach. They promoted William Blahos. Um, but but. I feel like before we like jump into the analysis side, obviously people were floating your name out there for potentially filling in for this job. You know, it just makes sense. Um, when, when they get rid of the offensive line coach, obviously you have experience in that regard and you're just down the road. Um, they went with probably the easiest option. It was probably just something that was pre-planned the whole time is just promote the guy who's the, the assistant to him. Um, but, but what was, what was that weekend kind of like for you? And yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Well, look, I think they made the right decision. Uh, it's impossible to walk in and change scheme in the middle of the season, especially when you're dead last in every offensive category. It's not like I can't walk in there with like a, a magic wand and fix everything. So <laughs> I'm not an offensive line wizard. I'm just I'm just good at my job. Um, I, they, they promoted from inside. I don't really look at it as a full-time gig, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an opportunity for them to improve their running game and maybe win a game or two and finish the game, finish the season with some sort of respectability. Um, I I look at it like this, look, I would love to interview for that job when the season's over. I'm not going to sit here and act like I wouldn't. Um, and hopefully I'll get that opportunity. But that's on them. They have to pick up the phone. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna seek it out any more than I already have. And I'm not gonna sit here and act like I don't want the job. That would be. It's it's a, it's a lie. So we built six zero into a you know a really successful business down here. We developed the hell out of these kids, and I think that the opportunity to corral the recruiting in Colorado and also develop on both sides of the ball because I've played both ways. I have a very unique skill set when we coach. Um, and then the, the mental side, I'll take the, the fucking Pepsi challenge with anybody that wants to get on the board with me and talk football. So yep. it's, it's just a matter of being patient and, ready when opportunity knocks and that's my mo man i'm gonna be ready if they do come a knocking i would not be surprised at all though if coach Durrell hires somebody with nfl roots an old like a you know an older nfl coach that doesn't have a job right now and that would make a ton of sense with his mo like that you know i don't have the experience of coaching at the college level but i do have the experience of coaching several all pros and multi-million dollar contracts and draft picks and God knows how many division one players. And, mm-hmm. Oh, and also like, I'd say 80% of the offensive line in that room. And God knows how many other positions. I mean, 
if I just went down the list of guys either placed at CU or work with consistently, it would be at least, I'd say, 40% of the team. And that, mm-hmm. you know, being on an outside looking in, I can only help so much in that regard. They're with me in the off season and I can help them over Zoom and like over text message and shit during the season, but it's not like we're out working. They're at practice every day. So I can only help so much in that regard, but I, I'm okay with being a shoulder to lean on for these guys. That's what I want. That's what six zero is. But at the same time, I I'm a proud buff and I understand the hesitation, Henry, with people that are like, no, we don't want another buff in, in their coaching. And that just some shit they're going to have to get over, man. I mean, you, you can't get mad at me for love in that place. That's where I played. I love it. So uh, I think that it would be a unique situation. But if they if they had the – if they ha- – look, if Coach has the uh, backing to make a move and bring me in, then we'll sit down and talk shop, and that'll be that. But if he doesn't, then we won't. I mean, that's kind of the way it works. So <laughs> you, you know me, bro. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty cut and dry, man. You know me. So uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like it wouldn't be something I, I don't want to do. So, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, man. I mean, first of all, I just want to dig into this. How much can an offensive line coach who comes in with five weeks to go in the season really make an impact first of all this week against Oregon and then I mean just by the final game like is there really a a chance that this group looks that much better by the end of the season uh I hope so I mean I I have to be pessimistic about something I'd like to think that they can improve offensively and not finish dead last um Mm -hmm. I mean, that it's just, I can't even fathom it at this point that they're that bad with that kind of talent. But, you know, I don't think that a, that a elevated offensive line coach that's never been an offensive line coach before can do that much right now. It would be like if I just walked in there and I was like, hey, we're going to change everything and win the national title. That's not the way this works. So we, you know, everybody in Boulder has to be patient and fix this. And, you know, that he might end up being the assistant offensive line coach again next year with whoever the new guy is. Mm-hmm. It's good to get this experience and see what kind of coach he is and see what he can do from a technique standpoint. Number one, I hope that we see some technique differences. I hope that he can try, try and institute some more complex run schemes and some more pin, you know, pull game and, and really getting vertical with their double teams and playing to their strengths, which is they're big and they're, they can be physical if they're put in the right position to be maybe, you know, a little bit wider splits and a little bit more bow in the line would help with the, with the more angles. I, I think that if he goes in there and he has the ability to change some things, then yeah, we can see improvement, but if we're just running the same exact scheme, and he's simply there to point everybody in the right direction. There's two different kind of coaches. There's coaches that are playing chess and there's coaches that are playing checkers. And the coaches that are playing checkers are just there to listen to the coach above them and say, do this. And they go and tell the guys to do that. And the coaches that are playing chess are in there trying to dictate to the coach above them what to do. So, it would be really hard for me not to walk in and say, look, we're trying to run all these all this zone scheme instead of working together five is one, which is if you look at your hand, the five fingers, that's five offensive linemen. If you close it, that's one fist. And we could really get nasty if we do it right together. And if angles play into it and you institute power counter and trap with your zone game, and you really maximize your tight end play on what's called scissor blocking, which is, Take Matt Lynch and 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 uh, Russell, okay, and put Lynch on the line of scrimmage and Russell in the wing behind him. That's called tight end heavy. And then if you want to run zone, run Russell backside, cut off the defensive end hardcore inside hat to kick out and double team the shit out of the three technique on the inside or the two eye, however it works, to the backer, however he's aligned in relation to where we are on the field and where the back wants to hit on the hole. So I understand it's complicated, but I don't really think it is. 
So just little things like that and then instituting everything with play action off of it. I don't know if they can learn that in a week, bro. I don't know if I can go up there and like, I don't know if the new coach or I could walk in there and be like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to change all this shit in a week and then go to Oregon and look like an effective football team. It takes, it will take an entire off season to put the new system in and get everything correct. But I'll tell you, they have the personnel to do it. And I'm going to, I will die on this hill because I, I truly believe that if it's done correctly with the right scheme, you could, you can beat anybody. And I, look, I watched Illinois on Saturday, walk into happy Valley with 38 yards passing and line up with like four tight ends at one point and just mashing the shit out of Penn state the whole game. And I know they won in nine overtimes and it's crazy upset, but that's because they were super physical and they're just playing into what they have. They're not trying to be something they're not. So it, Everything is fixable, Henry, but it's, you know, you can't just expect this kid that just got the job that's never done it before, that's been learning under Mitch. See, that's the thing that really concerns me is they're not changing scheme, and he's been under Mitch. He hasn't been under Cap. Mm -hmm. And this this quote, I know I'm rambling here, but I'm also not. Listen, folks, this is this is gold, okay? This fucking quote by, by Mitch about how Coach Cap had to unteach that is ridiculous. Coach Cap is a bona fide kick-ass college offensive line coach, and he's damn good. He's and that that guy that line went so far with him. And last year they they didn't have time to institute all of all of Coach Mitch's stuff. That's why they looked better last year because they were still running Cap's system because of COVID. Period. They didn't have time to put the new system in. So when they institute the new system and they start doing it the way Mitch wants it done, they're dead fucking last in the country. So him to even say that and disrespect Coach Cap while he's got a Heisman candidate running back right now and they're undefeated playing big Saturday against Michigan. That was our coaching staff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sitting here saying I could do the offensive line job if Coach Cap was in Boulder. I'd be sitting back with my feet up at 6-0, like, man, this is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean, I can't sit here and act like I couldn't help if the job's open. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, yes, we have to get back to the days of the offensive line being the strength of the team. Every offensive line in the history of Colorado football, that has been any good. That's why the team has been good. So look, man, it, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting situation. We'll see what happens on my side, but in regards to the team here, uh, I, I don't expect to – I mean, Landman's out. I don't expect to see anything. I don't – like, I hope Carson Wells plays well, and I hope Lang stays healthy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 you know, like, it sucks that Mustafa and Carson are – they're done after this year. It sucks because the – uh, what did we say to start the season, Henry? We, we said that if they could average – 20 points a game, we think they could win eight games. Yeah. Defensively, they're giving up, right? And yep. how many points a game were they giving up right now defensively? 20. They're yep. giving up 20. They're second in the pack, 12 points allowed. So for all the terrible foot, for everything terrible we see, that defense goes out there and plays just balls off every week. And they're probably going to get ran in, in Eugene, but don't be surprised if they play them tough and like the offense can't do anything. And that, that sucks. This whole situation is just really shitty. Let's just be real. Absolutely. And I've got, uh, you brought up some, some points that I'm interested in. Um, first of all, there's, uh, this, so today we had a chance to talk to Darian Hagan, who's the running backs coach now. And he mentioned that some of what they're doing, some of the changes that are being made with the new offensive line coach, William Vlahos, is they're, they're kind of bringing things back to what they were um, before. And so the examples were, you know, we're, we're changing the way we're, we're working on double teams. We're changing some things in pass protection. And on top of that, using some terminology that they have used in the past. And it sounded like terminology that Mitch Rodriguez had 
gotten rid of. And so when you bring up the fact that you want to go back to this, this other system that, that coach cap was running, I hear that stuff and think, well, maybe that is what, what they are trying to do with they this new to. offensive line coach. They have to, I right, look when the guys, when guys would come down in the off season, when Casey and Frank and mm-hmm. Kush and Austin and Jake and the, the gambit of guys that are in there, when they would come down, we sit there and talk about what, Rodrigue wanted to put in I would be sitting there like are you serious right now you just want, like the interior three guys are just focused on the two tackles we're going to leave both both tackles alone and the tackles are going to dictate which way they go there's not going to be any direction we don't mic point anybody and it's just like the five of us have to just work together telepathically and I'm like oh, this is this is going to be fun and then the the run game and the 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 terminology the the lack of communication that they had. I mean, they didn't communicate at all. So they have to get back to this old, to the older way of doing things because it's the right way to do things. It's supposed to be complex. You're supposed to walk up there and communicate. You're, it's supposed to be like dissecting the other 11. That's the whole goddamn point. That's what offensive line play is. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I want to point out um, so you mentioned that you don't love that he his background is obviously under Mitch Rodriguez, and I don't think anybody does. But today I asked Carl because I was just going through some some of these timelines for their careers, and Vlahos. So he played at Alabama, was a grad assistant at Bama, becomes a quality control like guy that. at Bama, and he was quality control at Bama while Brian Dable of the Bills was at Bama, and then. Dable goes to be the offensive coordinator with the Bills, and he actually brought uh, Vlahos to Buffalo to be his, uh, like, some sort of offensive assistant. Meanwhile, Carl was on, he was the quarterback's coach under Dable at, uh, at Miami when he was the offensive coordinator. And so I asked him, like, are, are there ties there? Did that play into it? And he said, yeah. The, he obviously has grown up in that same system that I run. And I like that part, but also in talking to Dable, when he initially came on the staff in 2020, when uh, Vallejos did, it was very valuable to hear that he had that just like somebody like Dable, who is very successful at this point with the bills. One of the top names to be an NFL head coach next year, like to say that he signs off on says he's a smart guy with a bright future. What do you think when you hear that? It's gotta be good, right? Uh, yeah, I mean that—that's what you want to hear for sure. Day, I—I uh, I was with the Jets when Dable was with the Jets, so he's, he's a good coach. Um, he's got his shit together, definitely. He also has Josh Allen, so that's you know they put Dable with the Broncos and see if we can actually win a game. Um, the chance it, it happens lot, next year. <laughs> I mean, that's all I'm saying. You know, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not a great coach. He is. I'm, I'm just saying this. When's the last time you heard a coach be interviewed about another coach and they said, that son of a bitch can't coach with a lick. He sucks. That's true. never. So they're always going to, that's the way this works. It's a good old boys league. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I love the fact that he's from a winning culture at Alabama. I love the fact that he played at Alabama and was, and, you know, played on that line that was physical, won national titles. That's awesome. That's what we want. If he comes in here and they, they they go out and run the ball for 200 yards, I'm going to be doing fucking jumping jacks in my living room. <laughs> so, I, you know, like I'll, I'll be you want to shut everybody up really quick. Go perform like that. We're, we're dying for it. So mm-hmm. I, I look, if you do things correctly on, on the offensive line and you're physical and you play to your strengths, you're going to be successful. That's the way football works. They don't have bad football players. The scheme and the coaching was dog shit. The worst in Colorado history. That's the same, the same scheme and players or the, the different scheme and the same players went four and two and went to the Alamo Bowl. So come on. They, there's plenty of opportunity to be successful here if they do things correctly. So as long as, as, long as they, they do that, cool. And I guess my thing is, it, it really bothers me to think for this long that they just allowed the offensive line and the scheme and the run game to be dictated by coach Mitch like this. 
and that Coach Shiv and everybody didn't step in beforehand and be like, no, stop immediately. This cannot go on. I'm taking over. You can still be the coach or whatever, but we're going to do things differently. There's a lot of coaches in there that have been a lot of meetings that know scheme and know how to do things correctly. I mean, it, that it, it makes me wonder, like, how much how much authority in the coach's room is like real authority? Like, is there really fear in the coaching room to like do your job correctly? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. I think that, I mean, obviously everything, everything falls at Carl's feet because he's the head coach. But a lot of that offensive stuff, you know, it's it's Darren Cheverini leading those meetings. And it does make you wonder, like, why why didn't he say, no, do do things this way or that way or whatever? And that there never was a change. And I, Carl absolutely probably could have stepped in, too, and changed something. Well, the, there's obviously there was a lot of trust and the, the coaches trusted each other and mm-hmm. it just didn't work out. And they had to make a change and they did. So it look. It, it could be a fault change, like, hey, he's to blame for this. And it could also be like a, a change that just had to be made and they just did it at this time. So, look, everyone's to blame uh, with this shit sandwich. I mean, it's, a, it's really bad. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, in the long run, he probably, I bet you he's sitting on his boat in Louisiana right now cashing a check. I mean, it, all he's getting is paid in the handshake. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it is worth pointing out that, you know, we've heard from Carl Durrell twice this week and both times he did make a point to say like, yeah, obviously things aren't going well at the offensive line. It needs to be a lot better, but there's a lot of groups on this team that are underperforming and, and to put everything that went wrong to this point at like to say it was just Mitch Rodriguez. That's, that's just not being realistic. It's a cop out. Yeah. I mean, name one group that's played well. No, the the corners for the most part, (laughs) the the defense has played pretty well. Sometimes Uh Uh, they could have fired the quarterback coach and I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. They could have fired the receivers coach. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. They could have like they could have fired Hagen. I don't see that ever happening, but they could have fired Hagen, and they'd be like, "Ah, oh, that makes sense." For sure. When you're de- when you're dead last in offense, like there's nothing that doesn't make sense if you want to make changes. Like, of course, you can make a change, one hundred percent. If if you if you were Carl Durrell and and you knew that you were going to make one change, would it have been the offensive line coach? So, are you asking who would I fire? Yeah. If I was Darrell after Texas A&M, I would have taken over play calling duties mm-hmm. and not fired anybody. I just would have demoted Shiv to just coaching the receivers and like helping me with the offense. But as the head coach, I'm taking over the offense now uh, and just mm-hmm. and then get to this point where you have to fire somebody. That's your question. Yeah. And then you get here. Um, I would probably fire the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach. But if you're still struggling this much, this is why I would have put it on me mm-hmm. as the head coach. So after Texas A&M, you notice how I, I can't even help the fact that I put it on myself. <laughs> yeah. After Texas A&M, I would have just said, look, I need, you're going to be the wide receiver coach and the, the skills coach or whatever, and I'm taking over offensive coordinating duties, and we're going to – I'm going to run the offense and pick the plays and put the scheme in. And then if we still got to this point, you, then you don't have to fire the offensive coordinator. He's already been demoted. And then you mm-hmm. can just fire the offensive line coach if that's who you want to fire, or you can fire yourself. And mm-hmm. no one's ever fired themselves. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you've got to think that – even though we're, everybody doesn't think that the bus will do it from a monetary standpoint, you've got to think that he's on the hot seat. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and I, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You look at the results and it's kind of that simple. Um, I don't think, I, I think they do give him one more year just because it seems like it's rare. First of all, that you fire somebody after two years. And on top of that last year being so weird, I think that that probably factors into along with the fact that, you know, you can, 
make excuses if you want to. I think I think that you probably give him one more year, but he's he's maybe top five in the country on the hot seat going into next season. Assuming and he's got to be number he's got to be number one, especially if they don't win another game. So yeah. let's look let's look at the schedule, Henry. Where's another win, bro? They're not going oh. to be winning. That's, they're not winning this weekend. No, they so are not. Even with, like, let's be real. They're not winning this weekend. Oregon State has something to play for, and they run the hell out of the ball. And like Oregon State's kind of the story of the Pac-12 yeah. this season. Oregon State's doing things correctly. Um, so they're not beating Oregon State. Uh, as Sam Neuer stands there on the sideline and watches, mm-hmm. holy shit. That's, that's a, that game's <laughs> on my birth on my 40th birthday, by the oh, way. Oh, really? Yeah, that's realize. my birthday present. It's, <laughs> it's possible they get you a win. It's possible. Shut I'm up, not, Henry. I'm not. I'm not picking it, but shut up, Henry. Don't give me any. Don't give me any hope right now, bro. <laughs> I don't want hope right now. Where I'm trying, okay. trying to focus on, trying to help, not hope. Yep, help. I, I like that. What's next? Um, after that, they're at UCLA. That's an L. That's an L. That's an L. Um, then they're home against Washington, November twenty. L. You, you're giving them that. I mean, I watched my Montana oh. Grizzlies go and beat those guys, and those quarterbacks are bad. I, I do think – I mean, if I had okay, to pick, I'm fine. absolutely giving them we'll that. win. Cool. We'll beat Washington at the end of the year. And then uh, they're on the road at Utah. L. Yep. So, what, three and nine? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> it's not, not great. No, not good. Not, not good, good at, at all. all. Okay, so what changes are made in the offseason? I would That's... think that the offensive coordinators changed. The quarterback yep. coach has changed. Yep. I don't see Hagen going anywhere. I agree. I think there's just too many reasons to keep him. And he, he's a good coach, and he gets the most yep. out of that room, and the running backs are definitely not the problem. Those are some good backs. He recruits yep. his ass off. So Well-liked, good Hagen's with the not going anywhere. So, I mean – I mean, Everybody else on offense has changed. Everyone. I mean, offensive line yes. coach is going to be interesting. I think I guess I, this is kind of the tryout for for uh, uh, Vallejos. Oh, it's a but, huge opportunity for him. But it is. It, it, you know, it could lead to him getting a getting a job as the offensive line coach at South Florida or something too. True. You know, what I'm saying it's a stepping stone. That's the difference here. Is he can be the coach for the next five games. It's a stepping stone job for him. Yep. If I was given the opportunity to walk in there and and, and interview for this, it's not a stepping stone job for me. Absolutely. Let's build, let's build a fucking wall around Colorado, keep the good players here, develop the shit out of them, and start mashing people like we did back in the day with correct scheme, correct terminology, uh-huh. the correct way to study, the correct way to dissect defenses why the defense is doing it to you, not just what they're doing. And then I guarantee you they will be successful if they commit to the ground game. They've got to get away from trying to throw the ball over the yard and boulder. Just turn around and hand it off and fucking smash some people in the face the correct way, and they will win football games. So that's the difference for me. They have to find those kind of coaches. And and look – I don't know if they ever will because you, you hear this a lot on social media, the lack of commitment by the tippy top. Yep. The, the university. So, yeah. How, how far behind are we in that regard, Henry? Way behind. And then, you know, I come from Montana where there was this huge football culture and then a bunch of scandals came out like 2010, 2011, 2012. And the university for like PR reasons just tried to basically bash football and it just changes the culture. You know, it's, it's on the university to make sure that the students love that program and that the, the community loves that program. And what, when that happens, kind of it's valuable for the university. What kind of scandal? Um, I mean, there were, there were multiple, the big one was the, the quarterback was accused of rape and there was a big cover up, And I think he, he was eventually acquitted. And I mean, starting quarterback goes through that. It's a, uh, it's a bad look. And then, uh, who, who went and wrote the book? Um, uh, but he was acquitted. Uh, yeah, he oh, was yeah. acquitted, but it was under pretty sketchy, uh, 
circumstances. It was John Krakauer who came to Missoula and wrote a big book about all of it. Yeah, they usually are pretty sketchy at that point. Those circumstances. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, all that happens. And then all of a sudden, you just see the university try to distance themselves from it. And I, I don't know the entire history of CU's football and why the culture, at least to me, it seems different than when I hear about the 90s or read about the 90s or any of that kind of stuff. It's so different, bro. Thing. It's and not I, even close. I, I mean, think, I, I grew up watching that, Henry, and it, I feel like it, it ended in 05, hmm. to be honest with you. When they fired Gary, things changed significantly. It seems like some of it, I mean, a lot of it, honestly, is you look at like who runs a university and it's, you know, people who are professors and people who are academics and come and which totally makes sense. But at the same time, those are the people, if, if you're just stereotyping, that are the ones who are least likely to recognize that there is a lot of value in college sports, that, that there's huge communities that look at you know, my only, my only thoughts about Colorado or USC or Notre Dame or half of the schools in the country are about football. You know, when you, when you say the name of any college to me, I think of that college colleges football team. And that is true of way more people than a bunch of the academics who are in charge of some universities understand. And I think at at the end of the day, that's the, a, a big bottom line. You know, when I was looking for schools, I wanted to go somewhere where there was a football culture because I knew that I really wanted to go watch football on Saturdays and have something to cheer for because that is part of the college experience. And that piece just is missing from schools. And it's, it's easy to see why, because you do want an academic running the university. It's a university. They just have gaps in their knowledge. And look, it's not like they can't win and get around it. Mm-hmm. They've wanted, they've gotten around it forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the good coaches walk into Boulder and get around the administration and win anyway. So that I think it's a lame excuse, although it is a reason. Like there's, there's a huge difference between excuses and reasons. We talk about it all the time. So, but I, I would like to see a more committed budget towards the football program. And I don't want to hear they don't have the money. They got, mm-hmm. come on, dog. They got the money. Let's be real. I mean, they got the money. So commit a little bit more money to the coaching staff and commit a little bit more money to the recruiting department and do this shit correctly. And, and CU will be ranked nationally and taken seriously. And it will up the, the eyes on the university substantially. I mean, it, it'll be the reason people want to go to the university of Colorado because yep. the football team kicks ass and it's in Boulder. And then everything else checks boxes. Instead of just being like, oh, yeah, it's, Boulder's beautiful and the football games are fun. <laughs> that's not cool, man. No. That's <laughs> it's crazy. But, yeah, that's that, absolutely that's it. Just... Like, your, your sports programs are a big part of just your campus culture. And the other thing that's kind of crazy to me is that you look at, like, around the country. So U.S. News puts out, like, their public school rankings. You've got Michigan at number three. You've got Florida at number five. You've got Texas at ten. You've got so many. Wisconsin is at number 14. Georgia at 16. Ohio State is 17. And you see that like some of these schools that get really high marks, they're investing in football. Like it's not, it's not like you look around at all the academic schools and it's like, oh yeah, well, these guys, they we just should do what they do. What they are doing is marketing themselves because your football program, followed by your basketball program, is the best piece of marketing that a, a college can have. Look, man, everything in Boulder is really nice. The indoor facility is beautiful. The locker room is shiny. The weight room is shiny. The uniforms are, bro, they look, God almighty, those uniforms look so good. Everything's awesome. The black helmets were so clean. Like, I I get it. Everything looks great. And that's it. It's a shell. There's no guts. So... Yes, they need to market it, but they need to build it from the inside out because winning is the only thing that markets shit in college football. You don't win, it don't matter what you market. It's straight talk. So they've got to figure out a way to win, and then they can market their ass off, bro. Like, and, and I'm all about it. And and the the beauty of it is ESPN and Fox and CBS and NBC will do it for them. 
They don't even have to market. They don't have to And they pay them. All they have to do is win. All you got to do is look like you can play football and win, and you'll be on ESPN Friday night. And I just don't think the tippy top understands how important and how useful that can be for them. And that can be so frustrating. And it's not even their money either. That's the thing. Like, bro, it's not your money. It's the university's money. You just work there. Gas too. So it's not your money. What do you care? Let's go. Do you want it to be success? Do you want your admission numbers up? Mm-hmm. Do you want your people in, you know, applying to the university numbers? You want those up? Go win some football games. Absolutely. And they will they'll be up quick. Totally. And I'm just they gonna pull will- this up real quick and see. Let's see. Oh, this is actually gonna take a second. Let's let's hit an ad break. Um Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, they, they, they make all sorts of great beers for us, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, we, we have them at the Broncos tailgates, which if you guys are looking for a place to go before the game on Sunday, there's no better place to be. It's behind sports fan. You can find all the information on the website. But it kicks ass. It was, it it's so really ass. I know, and, and I'm in this tough place. So, so I've been to all of the home Bronco games so far because every week I go to the tailgate and it's like, well, well, now tickets are only like 90 bucks. I've got to, I've got to go. And I was like, okay, I'm done. There's just no reason to pay money to go see this football team. And I look today and it's like, uh, I can get in for $65. You get to game day. It's going to be like 50. I'm going to go and I'm going to be miserable. But for those of you listening, if you're smarter, just go to the tailgate, go hang out. It's a really good time. It's free pizza. Um, you do have to pay to go in, I guess. So it's not totally free pizza, but it's, it's incredible. Free beer, for Breckenridge. the best. Um, and if you're looking to check out Breckenridge beers in another situation, come down to DMVR bar, uh, go to any grocery store, liquor store. They'll probably have them or use the beer locator at BreckenridgeBrewery.com. I'll set you up with any beer or seltzer you want to try. Also, uh, we've got some smoking hot October deals for you from the one and only Solace Meds. This premier dispensary is always hooking it up. Seriously, they always have incredible deals for you every single month. Solace Meds also has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one that's just blocks away on East Colfax from the DMVR bar. Here's what they've got going this month. They've got Dixie Gummies, Solace Bars, Solace Sticks, Mile High Extractions, Summit, 1906 Drops. All six of those products, I guess they're brands too. There's even more than just those the six. 25% off. It's a great deal. Definitely get in there. And for Halloween, if you go in there on Sunday, on the day of Halloween, you get a goodie bag with the purchase of $50 or more. And this entire weekend, Saturday and Sunday, you can go and get buy three, get one free for the entire store. It's a great deal. Plus, if you use the code DMVR20, you get 20% off your entire purchase on top of all these other deals. Some places, they don't let you combine them. You can combine the deals at Solace Meds. Uh, you also, if you use that DMVR20 code, get a free Solace Bar or King Cone. And again, that's that code DMVR20. Get 20% off, free Solace Bar, King Cone. You can use it on the website. You can go into the store and say it. Uh, websites, S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com. Just make sure you put this stuff to use because they're great deals. All right, um, let's jump in here. You know, you mentioned that there's going to be big changes uh, over the offseason. And there's going to be changes to the coaching staff for sure. But there's also going to be some significant changes to just the roster. Um, the transfer portal is here. It's here to stay. And it causes some chaos in the offseason. And here's, here's what I'm thinking about the, the transfer situation. And I want to hear if you agree with me. Here's my take on the Buffaloes right now. I think it'd be kind of a good thing if you get 10 to 15 kids who transfer just so you can turn those spots over. Um, and maybe that number's too big, but I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world to pick up a bunch more scholarships, go try to pull more guys from the portal. And there's only 15 guys on the roster that you'd be super upset about losing at this point. Am I crazy or are you kind of in line with all that? No, I think they should go absolutely pillage the transfer portal. Yep. They like find one, two or three quarterbacks multiple linebackers, multiple, mm-hmm. multiple pass rushers. The only guy that can pass rush on this team is Carson Wells, and everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. And Lang, Lang is a really good defensive lineman, but he needs another year under Coach Wilson. He'll stick around. 
no one's leaving off a, a one-win conference team. You know, you, you're losing Mustafa, you're losing Wells, you're losing Nate, you're losing a lot of really good players on defense. You got to fill those spots. So mm-hmm. do you have the personnel to fill it? Probably not. Probably not. So <clears throat> I think they should go pillars to transfer portal, bro. Yeah, every position is open. Every position on the field is open for competition. There are no returning starters. There's just X, Y, Z, right tackle, left tackle, center guard. Like, let's see who actually wants to start and play on this football team and take this program to a level of respectability. So every single guy, anybody in the country that's gotten, uh, like, their job taken from them, Spencer Rattler should be the number one guy they go after. Like, just – Go get Spencer Rattler immediately. I don't care what they have to do. Go find somebody to pay his ass. Here's yeah. your NIL deal, bro. Come to Boulder. Absolutely. And I totally agree. I mean, obviously, it, it, that that is the number one need is quarterback. Um, they're excited about JT Shrout, but they, we've seen what happens when you just have one option at that spot. Um, beyond quarterback, though, if you could pick, you get you get like a four star, five star type of guy. Um, he's he's moving because who knows the, the the coach pissed him off for some reason, not because he has any actual issues playing football. What position would you want that guy to play? Pass rusher. Okay. Like I I think they need somebody that's just gonna elite defensive player. We'll put it like that. Like somebody that can line up and dominate the football game defensively. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, they've got to find it, man. I mean, it's it's Nate is re- a really really good second level sideline to sideline linebacker, but you know he has to read the play to make a difference. I'm talking about somebody that can line up and put their hand on the ground like like Tubido can at Oregon, mm-hmm. and and make a difference regardless of what the offense is doing. I like it. I'd be tempted to go left tackle though. I think that you look at this pass rush and. I agree that there is talent along that offensive line, but I'd also say that the only guy who's really impressed me this season is Kari Kutch. And even he isn't like all conference impressive. He's just been like a a solid piece while there's been problems kind of all around. So if you could just go and add one guy who you just know you can throw out there and expect to perform really well week in and week out, honestly kind of like a will sherman in this world i guess it's probably a little bit better than will sherman even but that that'd be the route that i'd go that's fair i mean you're never going to go wrong with good offensive linemen so look man if the quarterback could throw the goddamn ball on time i think that there would be a lot of different circumstance mm-hmm. <laughs> with the offensive line to be completely honest with you yeah I mean, look at after playing defensive line and offensive line the majority of offensive line or the majority of sacks are coverage sacks and the majority of sacks given up are because the quarterback is not throwing the goddamn ball. So I, where I do agree with you that the play is atrocious and things need to change. um, It all comes down to whether the quarterback's going to throw the ball or not. And he doesn't. So, I mean, they can't run the ball and he won't throw it. So <laughs> what exactly are you supposed to do? <laughs> Put up 10 points a game is the answer. Those are kind of like the only two things you can do, you know? So, <laughs> yep. Okay. With the transfer portal, though, I mean, they, they kind of went hard on that last year, um, adding whatever it is, six, seven, eight guys, something like that. Um, yeah, they all got hurt. Yeah, a lot of them got hurt. But I mean, Robert Barnes he's been a little bit quiet and he's probably contributed more than any of the rest of them. You look at Noah Fenske or Max Ray or uh, who else even was there? Jack Lamb, another linebacker. Shroud obviously is hurt. Is it concerning that they didn't get more production out of the guys they pulled from the portal last year? No, it's just like free agency. Okay. You you think you win free agency and then you get to camp and you're like, man, these guys aren't any better than the other guys. Like they're tra- everybody's transferring for a reason. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like there's a bunch of just baller ass players in the transfer portal that everybody just is coveting. There's a bunch of dudes sitting in the transfer portal at home right now hoping for a phone call. Mm-hmm. 
So it's like NFL free agency before they get to the NFL. So, you know, it's, in my opinion, the majority of the guys that go in the transfer portal should probably just stop being soft and stay where they're at and, and develop and understand how hard it is to play this game. That's my opinion. Uh, but these days it's easier to run from problems than, you know, fix them. So the majority of kids will just be like, I'm special. Some fucking website told me I was special. <laughs> so I'm going to go somewhere where they think I'm special. Man. And yep. That's what it is these days. That's what recruiting is. So I'm glad they have NIL deals now, man. And I hope that some, you know, big shot in Boulder will open up their, uh, open up their, their billfold up there and start paying dudes and supporting them. And <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll have dudes coming to Boulder till Christmas dog. Everybody will want to do it. I agree. Um, Let's just kind of close things out by, by talking about this Oregon game. Um, do we have to? We do. Expectations are low. I think I think we're all on the same page there. It's a, It's been kind of a rough history with Oregon, at least recently. Um, lost, what, four of their last eight games they played against Oregon were by 40 points or more. There's potential for this to get really ugly. What <laughs> to you would you consider a success in this game a win that's it yeah they're not look they're not playing them tight bro they're not going out there and going like 38 to 35 and some back and forth competitive game and see you just couldn't pull it out at the end but man we sure are excited about the future no it's the only way that the bus can win this game is if the defense plays absolutely out of their minds and doesn't allow Oregon to score at all, and Nate Lamb is not playing. So that's not going to happen. Um, look, bro, I, I mean, I understand that, like, you want to walk into every game thinking you can win, but this this is untenable, in my opinion. Like, Oregon's defense, if I'm Mario Cristobal, and I place guys up there, so I, I know the coaching staff. If I'm Mario Cristobal, he's going to say, look, we're going to limit our opportunities to fuck up. We're going to throw really easy passes to shell coverage because they don't want to get beat over the top. They're trying to extend drives at least to limit the ass beating on defense. And that's what Coach Wilson will have to do. And then, you know, it, it, it'll be get up by a couple of scores and see you won't be able to do anything. And then they'll just unleash the hounds and pass rush and it'll be 10 sacks deep and that'll be the game. Unless, unless – Lewis gets hurt and the other kid comes in and turns into Brett Favre, which could happen. I mean, shit. Who knows? Well, who knows? I mean, I, he doesn't get to play. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that if I'm trying, if you're talking about the transfer portal, that's the number one person I'm worried about losing. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm worried about losing him, but <laughs> yeah. you know, if I don't get to play for this team as the quarterback, then I'm leaving. Absolutely. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, best football player in the country, playing as an edge rusher. This is an offensive line that has probably been the worst in the Pac-12. Yep. Uh, coaching change at this position. I mean, what what is the expectation for Kayvon Thibodeau? Should we just expect to see five sacks from him in this game? Well, I mean, that five sacks is a lot of sacks. It is. Um, I I don't know if you're putting over under at five. I I go with the under probably, but yeah. I, he probably could get five. I mean, he got like four tackle for loss and three last week, right? UCLA is yep. pretty good. So it depends on how they want to protect. If they just <laughs> – they don't max protect or anything. So, like, they don't try and chip with the tight ends and backs and they don't, like, motion players to widen pass rushers and they don't they do not do things that, like, make sense when somebody's really good. Um so if they just try and like man block him, he's going to eat. He there's, he's going to eat everybody. I mean, it's going to be disgusting. God knows how many sacks he's going to have, but yeah, I don't even want him to throw the ball. I just want him to go out and run yeah. the ball for a second and third down. If we get a first down, try it again. If we get another first down, try it again. I essentially want them to do exactly what Illinois just did. Walk into happy Valley and just line up in like 13 personnel and just run the ball vertically every single play and, take the take the clock to nothing and see if they can win so no one everybody thought illinois would lose by 50 points and they won a game and they're they're inept on offense too they're in the bottom 10 so 
I'm just saying, bro, it's it's not the craziest thing in the world, but the thing is we won't do that. So they have Brett Bielema, who's an offensive line man. So. Okay. I agree. Last one for you on this game. Um, regardless of, like, how it plays out or whatever, you've got to pick one CU player that's going to be the Buffs player of the game. Can't, can't be the punter. Don't do that to me. Who's it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Mark Perry. Okay. Get, getting some interceptions, some tackles yeah. for loss. Oh, yeah, he got an interception taken from him last week. So, okay. I think he gets uh, – he could get one or two. You know, I, I still think the defense is going to show up and play hard. Mm-hmm. The guys are going to go show up and play hard. It's just a matter of the talent thing, man. Like, yep. and they're in Eugene and their Oregon's playing for something. So, Sounds good. Sounds good. Throw 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 a hundred bucks on it on FanDuel and see how you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, Man, be the quickest hundred dollars you ever lost. It, it sure would be. I, I I yeah. I mean, we're all on the same page in this game. There's potential for it to get really ugly really quickly. And I think if if you throw money on the Buffs to win this, you might you might be You're saying that bet's dead halfway through the first quarter five minutes into the game <laughs> what are you doing like don't do that <laughs> don't put money on the zone don't do that don't don't do it call don't that, do it. that the 1-800 number on the fan on the uh, DraftKings <laughs> read yep. call that number if you're betting on the bus this weekend absolutely absolutely <laughs> maybe just a little sprinkle no <laughs> last week i can understand throwing some money on the bus because they were they were underdogs to a shitty team yeah. This week, throwing money on the bus means you've got a gambling problem. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, one more, I guess. Do, do you think Oregon's going to the college football playoff? No. No? You think they blow one? Uh, no, I just think there's going to be four better teams. They've already lost once. So if they were undefeated, they would go. But you, you don't get to lose in the Pac-12 and go to the playoff anymore. You have to be undefeated. Okay. I think that's fair. The, pack, I, I the Pac-12 is my is Mountain West by the by the uh, ocean, so that's the way that the rest of the country looks at it, dude. It's so true. Uh, let's just be real. So it's it is how they see it. If you lose a game, everybody else has to lose too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's gonna that's gonna do it for today. Uh, we'll talk again next week, and who knows? Maybe something crazy will happen, and. We'll be talking about how this the new offensive line coach found a way to run on a, a really stout front seven from Oregon. Or uh, we could be back here having the same conversation we've had over and over and over and over again this season. We'll see. Uh, thanks, as always, for coming on, and uh, we'll talk soon. Go Buffs.